one thing we'd like to look at is each of these broad categories with regard to media. Well, we, I think we've described um, these broad categories. I, they're categories simply because they they create, I think, a fairly distinct aesthetic. Okay, when I look at a canvas print and I look at a plain paper print or I look at a polyester base, high-gloss media, they look very, very different. And and that's really, you don't need Ardenberg to tell you how to select those. You're, you're going to come to that on your own merits. You're going to see a lot of samples. You're going to have a, an aesthetic in mind. Um, many, many photographers have, are almost exclusively printing on canvas now. That's the look. That's what the clients are buying. Um, so great. You don't need to look at the other categories if, if you're happy to be printing on one. I print on more than one. I, I kind of look at images and decide, do I want them to be have a more of a photographic look or do I have, want them to have more of a painterly look like watercolor paper? So, um, so there's that. But out of all these categories, I, uh, I think where Jordan's trying to get me to go is I, I think resin-coated photo paper has kind of a special place in all of this. It, it sort of anchors it in many ways, sort of what is current inkjet printing, um, at least inkjet photo printing. And, and, and why is that? Uh, it, it really, it's, it's because you've got to sort of work your way back to traditional photo look as it has been practiced for the last, say, 50 years. Now, we can go back to the start of photography. We can go back into the 19th century and say, well, you know, in the 1880s, albumin prints were the look, um, and they have a different aesthetic. But, but if we go into sort of current living generations, what have we been used to? We, we can talk about maybe the last 50 years of what people think is a photo. If you just hand somebody a print and, they, and you ask them to describe it, if you hand them something that looks like a photo, they're going to tell you it's a photo. It really doesn't matter if it was done with inkjet or whether it was done tr- with chromogenic color and wet processing. Um, it has the aesthetic of being a photo. And so RC Media kind of nails that look. And, and why is that? Well, we trace back to, the, to how it came about. In the late 1960s, early 1970s, the industry was actively trying to speed up processing so that they could get it out from under you as the the customer waiting for two weeks to have it come back in the mail or have it come back to your photo store. And it was being processed maybe out of state in a big processing lab. They wanted to get this so that you could just walk in, drop your film off, and an hour later come back and get your prints. And to do that, the processing had to be sped up. This is the advent of the resin-coated photo material. It started with one-hour photo finishing, and that occurred. That transition occurred in the early 1970s. So if you were getting your vacation pictures back in 1965, they were a color print, more often than not, there was some black and white being done, but mostly color. But by that time, but it was it was um, it, it was on a sort of a paper stock base. 
by 19 early 1970s you turn your film in you get a resin coated paperback and it looked different it looked contemporary it looked sort of just newer and sleeker and it was and you got it back in an hour discerning photographers could tell the difference but the public just accepted it as that's what photography is so if we springboard now from the 1970s all the way through the 1990s when people were doing one-hour photo finishing. And in fact, one-hour photo finishing, it's still done today, so it's it's still current. And, and actually, many labs are still running wet process, color chromogenic, resin-coated print papers. Um, but in the mid-1990s, for the inkjet uh, printer manufacturers to start to move into a new market that they really had not been in before, so when if in the 1990s, if you were a photographer, you knew Kodak and Polaroid, and you, and you knew Fujifilm. You didn't think Hewlett Packard was was giving you anything that you were going to use. You didn't think Epson was giving you anything that you were going to use. But once they had photo pr printers that were capable of doing photorealistic quality, then that's when we started to make inkjet photographs. As far as I'm concerned, uh, some people still think inkjet is not a photograph. I go, you know, if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, it's a duck. It's a photo. People think it's a photo. So what did resin-coated paper have to do with that? Well, it, set, it sets the aesthetic, just like the categories I was talking before. It, set, it puts in line a baseline for what a photograph looks like. So all the manufacturers had to do is, is substitute where you had a, a, a gelatin coating, a silver halide coating that was wet processed. All you had to do, and I say all, took a lot of engineering, but it was replace that with an ink receptor coating, a microporous coating that could, that could wick up the solvent of the ink, dry it down very quickly, and when you looked at it, it looked like a traditional one-hour photo-finished product. And if you, if the man, when the manufacturers nailed that look, that opened up a whole new market for inkjet printing, in my opinion, um, one that just hadn't been there before. So photographers had been using inkjet printing on the high-end fine art. We had the iris printers and so on. But, but getting it into the photo finishing market, um, and now today we have dry lab printers, for example. They're all inkjet. But the, but the product you get back is a resin-coated paper. And even if you go to other uh, processes like dye sublimation, so if you, get, if you have a dye subprint made, it's on resin-coated uh, photo paper um, if it's on a paper. Now that's being applied to other, other substrates as well, like metal substrates, crumblex panels, and so on. But, if you, but there are small little printers you can take with you, the little portable printers, and they're, they're dye sub. Again, one of the major media categories which opened up markets for inkjet printers was, in fact, photo printers, inkjet photo printers. And to get that look, to, to, to really um, to sort of corner that market, if you will, or to really penetrate, the right word is to penetrate that market. If you can penetrate that market, you need to make it look like a traditional photo finished photo and the only way you're going to do that is to use a resin coated base paper RC photo so they are ubiquitous out there they're very popular they are lower cost than many of the fine art media that are out there uh, today so uh, I would say if you're going to start up 
doing inkjet printing, you want to learn about color managed workflows and how to make, you know, a very well-crafted image, it, you know, starting with an RC photo media is, is probably a really good place to start. But, and here's the, here's the, here's the wait for it. <laughs> it's, if you go all the way back to the beginning again, and you, and you think about what did, when they were perfecting resin-coated media, and they, and we were extruding polyethylene, the industry was extruding polyethylene out of the sheets, they were adding titanium dioxide as a whitening within the polyethylene, they were adding optical brighteners, all this to make a bright white photo paper. And that's what the public was expecting. That's what they were used to. So when you put all those factors together and you're in the wet process color chromogenic era in the 1970s and 80s, it turns out that if you don't need to engineer a um, a thousand year paper, you, you need to engineer a paper that is in terms of material durability is well matched to the dye based color the color dyes of, of of that era and that's what they did they in the early stages of, of resin coated prints there were actually some severe problems that that, w that came back in the field that we were having field failures in that era uh, cracking and delamination um, black and white prints were showing tarnishing and so there were a lot of issues in this in this switch to resin coated media and the industry worked hard to solve those problems they solved them in the context is that the media should not be the weak link that the dyes would still fade and discolor before you would see any problems with the media and i think they did a good job of that i, I think that that if you look at color chromogenic wet process prints that have faded you're going to notice the fading you're not going to notice failures of the media but there was one aspect and it's the media yellowing which is a what i call scientists will call a confounded experiment it's confounded in the sense that there's more than one yellowing mechanism so the media might be yellowing but you've got these silver halide you've got silver halide chemistry that when it's being processed and the dyes are being formed the finished wet process photo has residual color couplers in it these are the the this is the chemistry that actually forms the dye during the process but it's left in the paper uh, and it turns out that it has yellowing and staining issues then there's poor processing if the processor was not didn't have fresh chemistry you might have exhausted fixer that wasn't getting washed out so when people started to see yellow and faded prints it was all almost always all, all the way through all of the conservation lectures I ever sat in and the discussions in in meetings all talked about oh well that yellowing is because of the residual color couplers that yellowing is because of poor processing so now we come into the inkjet era and we don't we don't have residual color couplers in RC inkjet papers. We don't have poor processing in inkjet papers. The white areas in the paper have no chemistry other than the chemistry of the paper itself. Uh, there's nothing left from processing and residual processing. 
And so what are we seeing? We're seeing yellowing because it's been unmasked now. And we don't have the other types of yellowing to consider in that inkjet material. And so it's still fairly balanced with dye-based systems. If you have a dye that fades in 10 to 30 megalux hours, and you have a media that starts to yellow in 10 to 30 megalux hours, it's a pretty balanced system. Nobody, by the time you see some yellowing, you're also seeing some fading. So it kind of is, I, an engineer would call it a well-balanced system. But now we're printing on these media with pigmented inks that can go 100 megalux hours, 200 megalux hours. Now the media has to be able to go hand in hand along with them. It has to go that far in terms of exposure dose and still maintain its initial whiteness, its initial properties. And that's not happening with RC media. And this is new, and this is really what a lot of the Ardenberg research has been about, is trying to understand what's happening here, how, what does it mean, you know, what is it going to look like, when does it come in, and how do we rate these systems fairly so that we're not only looking at the performance of the colorants, but we're also properly weighing or weighting into the ratings the yellowing of the media. And we've spent a lot of time at Arnberg working on that. And we have a new testing protocol, and you're seeing it in the very latest, uh, the latest uh, reports that have been recently published uh, take into account, we're actually starting to track the product over time after it's been exposed. It's being put away and it's being tracked in a dark storage environment. And if the media has no issues with, with the staining and yellowing, um, then it's going to just stay stable after it gets retired to dark storage. If, on the other hand, it's still yellowing, we pick that up. But that's that's new work, that's new research, and and um, that's because it's important to understand how these materials are are, are aging. <laughs>